Coming to you from the red, white, and blue. You're now listening to the number one soccer podcast on the planet. This is the Box to Box Review Podcast, covering everything soccer, from the English Premier League, MLS, to the international game. Now, here's your hosts, Andrew Tucci and Lane Hector. Pepe laying it off. This is Pulisic now 2v2 with help from Robinson and fresh legs on the way. It's Pulisic. Legit. Plenty of targets in the box. Lovely delivery for Pepe. Left behind Robinson. It's an instant response straight out of the halftime break. Aronson. Legit. And Yedlin. Lovely cross. Pepe! Pepe by name and Pepe by nature. The youthful exuberance of the teenager has fired the Americans into the lead. All right. Welcome to Box to Box Review. I'm Andrew Tucci and Lane is not joining us right now. Instead, I've got my buddy Brian Bruns here to talk about the Honduras U.S. men's national team game. Brian, how's it going, man? Very good, man. Glad to be here. Essentially, the way the the men's national team game went down is, is kind of a tale of two two halves. So we'll just break it in that way. Um, first, I'll read off the lineup. Essentially, what we had was a, a 3-4-3. We had Matt Turner in goal, Mark McKenzie, John Brooks, Miles Robinson in the back line. Tyler Adams playing right wing back. Kellen Acosta, James Sands as a double pivot. And then George Bello as the left wing back. We had Sargent, Pepe, and Pulisic right to left along the front line. Brian, what are your thoughts on that lineup? I think I was like most everybody else when I saw the lineup. I had no idea what formation we were lining up in. And so when I, when I saw how we were actually lining up, I didn't, I didn't love what I saw. Um, I didn't like the, specifically the midfield, I think playing Sands and Acosta in roles where they don't have a whole lot of support. Um, mm. And those, those two players, um, Acosta has shown that he can push the ball forward, but that's not his normal way of playing. Yeah. And I think, I think he played as a six primarily in both the Nations League and the Gold Cup yeah. uh, runs. Um, so playing two sixes as our midfield with a back five, seemed really really negative for a game that we needed to win other than that you know obviously a front line of um Pulisic, Pepe and Sargent's not the worst thing um I was interested to see who would be on the wing between mm. Pepe and Sargent yeah um thought that Pepe probably would have done better as the wing rather than Sargent yeah um I don't know if Sargent has ever really played that role um but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I it was a it was a weird a weird lineup coming out. I, I definitely when I first saw it, I didn't think the idea that in itself playing like a back three back five was that bad. Because um, we we dabbled with it previously, like once in the Gold Cup, and then we've tried it in the past, and it it wasn't that bad. But I think it, the personnel just did not line up for the formation. Kind of like you said the two holding midfielders of Acosta and Sands didn't really make much sense. Adams is a right wing back. Didn't really like that. I mean, 
we're not really getting his full ability playing him as a right wing back. And, right. you know, I thought if we were going to play James Sands, we'd play him as the middle of a three back. That way he can kind of step into the middle of the middle of the field, like a, like a num- normal number six. But it's, ultimately we had three number sixes, which just didn't really right. kind of, like you said, it was not a, a recipe for a game that you have to win. Uh, right. And then, yeah, the, the Pepe and Sargent, when I first saw that, I thought it was going to be like a two striker system where you have mm-hmm. like uh, Sergeant and Pepe up top and then Pulisic kind of playing like a number 10, but right. it was really just a simple two winger, one striker, and it did not work at all. Right. I mean, no. we've seen a little bit of Sergeant as a winger during uh, his time at Werder Bremen and he like never did much there. So it was definitely a questionable decision considering we had actual wingers on the bench, but what do you think, uh, what do you think resulted from, from that formation? What do you think some of the problems were? Um, Well, one thing, so to go back to the lineup a little bit, uh, Tyler Adams as a wing back is not, wouldn't be the biggest of deals if we had an actual midfield pairing that we liked. Uh, Yeah. Like if we would have had, say, Wes McKinney and Eunice Musa as the two eights in that mm-hmm. midfield and Adams as the wing back, that would have been much more palatable. And I think that would have gone a lot better. But I think what seemed to happen during the game was that Adams realized that the midfield was getting just completely overrun. Yeah, And so he felt like he had to help, essentially, which left the whole right side available for Honduras to attack uh, and made Tyler Adams' job just a lot harder on all fronts. Um, yeah, also the back line. I think Miles Robinson did a good job on that right, uh, right side of the back three uh, dealing with that. I think had it been anybody else over there, it would have been pretty bad. I, I don't know, and we might get into this later. I'm not, I'm not big on John Brooks right now. Really? Okay, so that was that was a big talking point post post match was Brooks did not look good, and he he was obviously at fault in the Canada game for the Canada goal. And I think a lot of people were right. willing to overlook that just because he's been so reliable in the past. But right. this, this showing against Honduras, I think, opened a lot of eyes because he did not play well. Yeah, and I think so. You know, I think the obvious comparison is like, well, it's, at this point, I think everyone's in agreement that Miles Robinson is a starting center back for the U.S. And so then you have really probably a group of four between John Brooks, Mark McKenzie. Um, Zimmerman and then Chris Richards, who right. I'd really like to see in the October window. Definitely um, plays plays on the left uh, left sided center back for Hoffenheim. But the thing about Mark McKenzie and I think even Zimmerman, they have the athleticism and pace to recover from some mistakes. Uh, I think we saw a few good examples of McKenzie doing that in this game where yeah. he gave the ball away, but then hustled back and, you know, either slowed the play down enough 
to right. get bodies behind the ball or win it back. And if John Brooks gets beat like he did in the Canada game a couple of times, there's no hope for him. Yeah. Um, and he does tend to go up and try to attack the ball a fair amount, which is not a bad thing, but he has to be able to get back. And yeah. this wasn't happening. Yeah. So I totally agree. I think, well, one, I would love to see Chris, Chris Richards get a full opportunity as well. I think a lot of people sure. are rightfully excited by what he can bring. Um, and then, yeah, kind of the Mark McKenzie reference, definitely error prone, like you said. I mean, we, we've seen that multiple times now. He just pretty, yeah. pretty poorly gives the ball away. But like you said, he's, he's quick enough to recover in most instances to, you know, basically nullify that opportunity he just gave away. And then I think, so the Brooks stepping out into midfield, we've seen him do that before. And a lot of times it's worked And here. I mean, it was a pretty blatant error that caused the Honduras goal. You know, Brooks steps out in the midfield. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't uh, get the ball and he doesn't foul. And so basically his mark just turns him and then plays the ball wide. And it's like a pretty easy ball across to get tapped in. Um, and so I definitely agree. Um, one thing that I, I just think about in that scenario, though, is can it all be chalked up to John Brooks's error there individually, or is it maybe a product of a new system that John Brooks and the rest of the back line isn't yet familiar with completely? So, like, I think the idea would be, you know, if Brooks steps up, and if he does get beat, well, you've got two other center backs who can cover for you. And right. And then I think also George Bellow was just kind of out of the play as well. So I think it's maybe a combination of, you know, poor defending from Brooks and, you know, poor camaraderie on the defense. So. Yeah. Like you said, it's a combination of the two. And I think part of that is the U S men's team does not have a, you know, bona fide starting 11 yet. Oh yeah, um, for sure. And I think, you know, one of the odd things I heard was like Pulisic, Reyna, McKinney, Adams, and Dest have never been on the same field yeah. at the same time. I, th I thought that was crazy. I had to fact check that actually. And I was like, there's no way this is true. And yeah, it's true. Which, I mean, you think about like, it's probably the four most promising players and, you know, throwing some younger guys with those guys, but yeah. Uh, I mean, those guys are it. It's what most fans are most excited about. For sure. Are those four guys. Uh, and the Reyna injury is a bummer. Yeah. Obviously, the, Mc the McKinney situation is a bummer and just weird. Um, yeah. But I was I was really happy with Adams. Yep. Especially with his, uh, I think his leadership in that team uh, shown pretty heavily throughout this window. Yeah. Um, especially with McKinney leaving, I don't think I, if I was, you know, closer to the team, I would be looking at John Brooks to be, if not the leader, one of the leaders. Mm -hmm. And he, he doesn't look like that guy. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I really hope that this is a wake up call for him because kind of like you said, there is some, some real talent coming in behind. If Chris Richards starts, you know, really excelling, well, it's John Brooks right. all of a sudden, you know, finding a spot on the bench, which, you know, earlier this summer, nobody even 
would have considered it was kind of who's playing right. next to Brooks, you know? Right. Yeah. And now it's, and Robinson, I mean, just the summer that he has had. Oh, lockdown starter. He's out of this world. Yeah. yeah. Now it's who's playing next to him. Right. Yeah. And hopefully it is a wake up call to him and a few other guys. I hope it's a little bit of wake up call to Dest. I think he is still, yeah. still our number one right back talent wise, but I think that number one to number two spots a little bit closer than people think. So, so that's a good, that's a good point. I, I made a note of this on the last podcast. I mean, I thought Dest had a decent first half against Canada before he got hurt, but I felt like there's several options as the second right back. Right. And I feel like Yedlin is just, he's just not, he's not on par anymore. I feel like it's, we've got to be looking at different options for, for that right back position outside of Dest. I mean, yeah. And I don't know. Um, I should check this, but was, was Reggie Cannon unavailable? So the rumors were that his club situation, essentially after the gold cup, he went oh, back. He just to his, moved, didn't he? He moved. Yeah. Last year, but his club, like, they're going through some weird like uh, financial crisis and then Reggie Cannon mm-hmm. wanted to move away and they're kind of like locking him out. And so he hasn't played gotcha. since the gold cup, which I think is probably mm-hmm. part of the reason. And then there, right. there were rumors of Julian Araujo from LA galaxy. And a right. lot of people are really high on him. He's like 19 year old dual national, but right. he, he wasn't ready to commit to the U S yet, which is fair. But now if I'm him looking at this situation, I mean, outside of death, sure. it's like you have all these options. Does he fit in there? Does he even want to try it, try to fit in there? You know? Yeah. I thought Shaq Moore in the gold cup was pretty good. I think he was certainly much better in some games than he was in others, but yeah, one of those guys that's like, I can't really ever point to like a specific mistake other than, you know, like right. just getting blasted by Alfonso Davies but uh, yeah. that everybody. happens to most people yeah. yeah but it's just kind of like the whole he doesn't really pass the eye test right uh, it's kind of like and, he doesn't provide qualities that really excite you but he also doesn't really provide qualities right. that are gonna make you lose a game either right um, and he still he still has enough pace to recover from some errors yeah but and I think like the brightest, our brightest moments going forward in the first part of that Canada game were with Dest. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it, yeah, I mean that when we we lost Dest, I think we lost a lot of our um, kind of sharpness going forward. Um, yeah, which so I think up. Dest. I was going to say I think Dest needs to work on a defensive game a little bit, but um, hopefully you know he does that at Barcelona this year and you know, can sure up that part of his game and hope he doesn't play on the left side anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we've settled with that idea. Not going to work, but it, it brings up a good point. So you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but obviously Reyna was hurt, couldn't play. The McKinney situation is, you know, to be determined. Des got hurt in the Canada game and all these players are back with their clubs now. I mean, Reyna has been ruled out for a month apparently right uh dest is has been ruled out for their champions league game i believe and that's mm. that's tomorrow and then right. mckinney again still in the air christian Plisic showed up to chelsea on crutches apparently 
And so right. those are, you know, some huge players that are now all questionable for the October window. So, right. I mean, that's, that's kind of scary, to be honest. For sure. I just hope that I, given that it's unlikely that for sure Reyna is back. Right. And probably a game time decision on Pulisic. I think McKinney will be back. Surely, yeah. You can't afford to have that many that many players out, especially if one's healthy. Yeah, and I think they'll frame it as like, okay, this is his like time to show the team, right? What's up, right? Uh, which I think I think is fair. I don't I don't think he should be left out. I don't know. I saw some comments. I think it was Landon Donovan on the Grant Wall podcast that said, "Yeah, this is almost irredeemable," which I think is a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. I think it's, and again, we've, we've gotten a little bit more information, not necessarily the bare, but the bare minimum, but if everything that happened is known to us at this point, then I think it is, it is redeemable, you know, unless there's something else that's going untold, I think he deserves a spot back in the team, you know, assuming that he's apologized and that he's, you know, proven that he's willing to put the team first and, and so forth. Yeah. But that'll be that'll be something to keep an eye on. But the rest of the first half, we kind of mentioned the goal. The first half after the goal didn't really look much better either. Um, we were kind of all over the place. You could tell that our game plan was not to play in this formation going from behind. I think some of the positives from the first half, not many, but Pepe worked worked pretty hard pressing. Um, he had some moments where he would close the ball down quickly, and that was basically all I could could decipher from the first half. So. Um, yeah, there's that moment where, like, I think it was Pulisic, Sargent, and somebody else just behind the two of them were, like, all three wide open on the back post for a cross. And Pulisic oh, yeah. and Sargent basically ran into each other. Yeah, Pulisic lunges for it and misses it. Right. Yeah, there was also Which, the the uh, the play where Sargent, like, heads down across to Pepe in front of goal, mm-hmm. and he puts it over yep. the bar which was a, a good chance, yeah. but yeah, it was one of those that like had he finished that, I think people would have gone insane, like a side bicycle kick volley yeah. kind of a scissor kick for type. your debut. Yeah. yeah. Debut goal would have been insane where the announcers were like, Oh, he should, he should have finished that. It's like, oh, yeah, that's pretty hard to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, but but yeah, yeah, I don't think Sergeant Sergeant looked, lost definitely definitely not and and, and, i mean he's he's always had his critics and especially this window hasn't done much to to prove them wrong i mean playing on the wing not necessarily going to help him but still so yeah hopefully he gets some time at uh norwich and get some time at center forward all right so first half ends halftime i mean the the paramount plus cbs broadcast was just I mean, super depressing. You've got all these like great American players who are just, you know, yeah. lost, about to cry themselves to sleep, and it's you. You get the feeling that like, if if Berhalter doesn't get it together in the second half, you know, he yeah. he could be under some serious pressure coming next winter. For sure. So for sure. But that leads us into the next point, which is Berhalter does get it right in the second half, makes three halftime substitutions. Uh, Aronson comes on 
Leggett comes on and then uh, Anthony Robinson came on. And so, right. and then John Brooks comes off, Sargent comes off, George Bellow comes off. And so three players who had very underwhelming performances, definitely a big statement to take John Brooks off. We kind of mentioned that kind of his pedigree with the team, but taking him off at halftime was definitely a big statement. Um, but at the same time, it also moves us into a, a back four instead of a back five. And now we're, we're playing with a real 4-3-3. Almost immediately, things, you know, get brighter. I think a ball was played into Ricardo Pepe. He, he kind of battles for it, touches it off to Pulisic, who, who kind of dribbles uh, up the field, lays it off to Leggett. Leggett plays like a good cross, and it falls to Anthony Robinson, who finishes it. And, like, immediately you could tell, you know, the morale is different. Everybody has more belief. Right. You know, props to Berhalter for for making those subs. Although he did dig himself in that that big hole, but right. So, so what do you think? You think it's more of a positive, or more of like a net zero for Berhalter hmm. to make that change at halftime? Yeah, it's kind of the idea that like, you know, <laughs> he looks like the good guy at halftime or after halftime mm-hmm. for making these subs, but he also you know really screwed up in the first half. So. For me, I think it's a net zero, but maybe a little bit more than a net zero because you could tell there, there has to be something that said that he recognized his flaw and he For sure. ad- addressed it. But, you know, if those subs don't pay off, then we're talking about a completely different outcome now. One of the things that I just really did not like seeing was after it was announced that Kenny was going home, that they called up Jackson Ewell. Oh, yeah. And I think it's pretty telling that we didn't see Jackson Ewell in this game. Oh, man, I, I'm so glad we did not see him. Same. After watching uh, James Sands in the first half, right? I was, I was pretty worried that we were going to get a, a Ewell, Ewell second half. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it would have gone well. No, I, I agree. And, and I guess I think maybe part of Burholder's logic is, you know, James Sands playing as a six in a back five wasn't going to work. But let's give James Sands a look at the six in a back four. And so, honestly, I mean, it's not like James Sands was outstanding in the second half, but he definitely looked more comfortable, yeah. you know, which I, I mean, and- hope, hopefully that, that buys him some more. Uh, roster call-ups. I hope someone tells him to get longer cleats or better cleats. Dude, or he was slipping and sliding something. everywhere. And it didn't really seem like anybody else was. I think there were a couple slips, but man, no, it, he was all over the place. I was, uh, I was listening to the Scuff podcast, and they had, they had mentioned that like there's kind of two two ways to view this. One is he just had bad bad footing. But there's also the idea right. that like the game was just too fast for him, which right. I mean, definitely in the first half, I would probably lean that way. But yeah, I mean, I think in the second half he settled down. So yeah, Robinson scores the goal. Aronson immediately brings a lot of energy, and then Legit, who, I mean, he just has proven to be just like a cog. You know, not no disrespect, right. but like very reliable. He's not going to do anything outstanding, but he's going to basically enhance the team to a a very specified degree. 
Um, and I think right. bringing that stability into the midfield was was huge for the second half. So. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I think my sub of the half was was Robinson to come on for Bello. Yeah. Uh, I, I even don't think Bello was that bad in the first half. Anthony Robinson was really, really good. Just second that half. much better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. And I don't, think... I, I'm glad. I think I'm glad that he stayed at Fulham. Okay. Um, even though they were relegated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he, I think that gives him a chance to settle into a team and he's still a young player. I don't think it's that bad right. for him to be in the championship. Um, and I think a lot of people would say that championship is really physical league and yeah. high energy, all that. Um, so I think there are some qualities that come out of that for him that are good. And I think we've seen it in this window. I think yeah. his service has been really good. Really good. And that's been his, his biggest knock, I think. Yeah. Uh, he apparently is the fastest player on the team. Oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah, that's been established now, for sure. Like, There's been a couple moments where I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, where did that come from? Right. And is everyone else in slow motion? Because I think it was the Canada game where he came 30 plus yards behind yep. to track back. And it was wild. And somebody had like a huge uh, head start on him and too. And he... Right. So, I mean, I think he, after these past few games, he might have more of a lock on the left okay. than Des does on the right. Wow. Okay. Uh, that's a big time take. I I mean, I, I, I would venture to say he – and I'm, I'm assuming you'd probably agree with this after that take, but I would venture to say he was probably the biggest winner of the window. Just, and I mean, just alone this half, but also the Canada game. And yeah. he was the biggest winner of the window. And then inversely, that kind of means that, that Des no more has to slash should be allowed to play on the left side. He should be strictly a right, a right back because I think we can rely on Anthony Robinson on the left. For sure. And I, I mean, I'll go maybe a step further than that and say that a couple times Dest has played on the left. I don't think George Bellow has been worse than that. Okay. There was the one, I don't remember what game it was, but it was back in the Nations League, I think. And Dest was playing the left. It was the game he cut back in on the right and scored that like, Oh yeah, world beater of a goal. I think that was a friendly, actually. Okay, it may have been a friendly. I'm. That's not like what I exactly want for my left back. Yeah. Um, like if you can do that, like cool, but not the expensive. Right. You know, no defensive cover on the left. Right. No, uh, I, would, I would totally agree with that. I don't. Know, I don't know exactly how old George Bello is. I'm pretty sure he's under 23, though. Yeah, he's 19. Yeah. So. I guess I'd be looking for him to grow into that role a little bit more too. Mm-hmm. And, and there's physically. Yeah. And not to mention Sam Vines, who allegedly yeah. is, is hurt. He probably would have been called up as well. I thought about going back to the, the Yule thing, Eric Williamson. Yeah. Uh, recently torn his ACL. Yep. Um, he would have been the guy, I think, in my opinion. I think he would have been as well, as well as he played in the Gold Cup. Yeah. Uh, especially in the final. 
Agreed. Agreed. He kind of brings a different element of like ball possession, ball advancement, as opposed to Ewell, who's just, I mean, another, another number six, you know? Yeah, no, totally agree. Um, so back to the timeline here, Pulisic gets hurt in the 60th minute. At this point, it's just one, one after the Robinson goal, a uh, questionable moment here. I thought Greg Berhalter should have subbed on Conrad De La Fuente instead of Roldan. This was the last available sub to make considering we were, I mean, we obviously wanted another goal and Roldan isn't necessarily the most goal adjacent player. I would have said Conrad is probably more likely to get dangerous than, than Roldan is. So I thought that was an interesting move. Yeah, I agree. I think Roldan was kind of on the periphery of the game. Yeah. When he came on, um, and I think at that point, Honduras was getting a little bit tired, and I think De La Fuente could have been used to run at them a little bit more. Agreed. Um, I guess I guess it turned out all right. Yeah. So almost following immediately, the plus six substitution, Honduras get another chance. Huge save from Matt Turner. Doesn't really look like a huge save because the video quality just wasn't very good. But I think it ended up being. <laughs> kind of the turning point um several minutes later we win the ball stepping high martin mckenzie anthony robinson advances it plays it to aronson who's kind of in like the half space at the top of the top of the 18 he mm-hmm. turns plays it to legit who again in a very cog-like motion turns and plays it to to deandre yedlin who plays in my mind a pretty surprisingly good ball and Pepe just a beautiful header back towards goal back the way it came top corner keeper had no chance absolute euphoria oh yeah um yeah like you said I mean such a good ball and normally you see like you know either the striker lean forward or lean back a little bit yeah I mean Pepe went straight up yep and just knocked it over the head and i don't i mean i don't watch much mls um so i hadn't seen much of pepe mm-hmm. but he looked quite a bit taller than i thought yeah he's a big he's, kid he's not a small he's not a small guy no. um, but he has the mobility where i don't think somebody like uh, pfock or even dk has quite the level of mobility that he does which is promising going forward in our striker debacle yeah agreed i think it was kind of this uh this underlying meta narrative like the whole window right like we bring in ricardo pepe after he makes this declaration that he's going to play for the united states we don't play him in the first two games we he gets a start all of a sudden starting at the number nine at honduras huge game like essentially burhalter needs a win to keep his job you know maybe and right pepe it just had to be Pepe, you know, like it was yeah. written in the stars yeah. that he was going to be the one for to score sure. the winning goal. It was, it was fun to see. Obviously he went crazy for his goal, but he also went crazy for the other goals. I think for sure yeah. the first one uh, that Robinson put away at the beginning of the second half, like he threw his arms up and then realized, you know, it's still one, one and he ran right. and got the ball out of the back of the net. Yeah. Um, which for an 18 year old in your first start, World Cup qualifier, I think it's big time. Yeah. Uh, it shows that he he understands the moment and hopefully that's a good sign going forward. And Definitely. I know there's talk because he's 
I can't remember if it's under 21. Yeah, or under 23. 21. Um, that he can even, uh, I think it's three competitive matches. Um, so the way still it, use the, the one-time switch or whatever. Right. The way that I have interpreted and heard people interpret this rule is if you play in a competitive match under your 21st birthday, you would have to wait three years, essentially, oh, in, his, right. in okay. his case, to refile for a switch. But if he plays four matches, so say he plays all the next October qualifiers, then he's permanently locked in. Um, but if he just played in two of them, he still has that option. However, it really seems like he is not even considering that at this point. I mean, based off of what he said in his announcement and then based off of just his performance, I would say he's, he's pretty, pretty locked in on wanting to play for us. Yeah, I agree. Hopefully we, uh, you know, there's kind of this stigma with U.S. soccer fans that, you know, the next bright talent gets too much pressure put on them, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm hoping that this isn't the case where we just kind of blow up after one great game and Pepe's, you know, like our, our saving grace. And then he turns out to be just right. very average after, mm -hmm. I mean, watching him this season, I don't, I don't think he's, he's average at all. I think he's a really good player. Um, right. But I hope we don't just, we're not just blowing it out of proportion because he, you know, saved the day. And just, I don't, we don't have to go too into this. I think I realized this, really this game that, as good as Pulisic is, I don't think he can do it by himself. No, no, definitely not. He, I mean, if you're any other team, especially in CONCACAF, your game plan typically should be just hack Pulisic as soon as he gets the ball. Because right. at that point, you're, you're making the U.S. prove to you that they can beat you another way, which hasn't really happened before this game. Yeah. And it's notable, I think, that Pulisic comes off and we score three goals after he comes off, which, I mean, yep. kind of speaks to the dynamic that maybe be, you know, taking place here. Um, mm. That maybe it is less all about Pulisic now, which if you're Christian Pulisic, you've got to be thrilled about because now, you know, the game plan isn't all about you. Other teams aren't just looking to take you out. So Yeah, for sure. And I think Reyna's the obvious person to take that pressure off but i think i mean you think about peppy you think about aronson think about yep. guys like kaden clark who are still coming up yep um paxton aronson uh, i mean there's just a lot of people coming up that... a lot of creative talent that we haven't had in the past right and it's it's encouraging and you know it's all up to greg berhalter to figure it out quickly the third goal uh Third goal was pretty simple. Honduras are desperate at this point. Roldan does really well. He basically steps in front of a pass. It falls for Pepe. Pepe dribbles it forward, plays an easy pass to Aronson, who puts it home. Um, I thought it was, I mean, really unselfish from Pepe. Could have taken a shot. Aronson deserved the goal, I think, after his performance. Mm -hmm. The fourth goal, at this point, Honduras had given up. You could see Tyler Adams got the ball in the midfield with nobody around him. Finds Pepe. Pepe shoots, it gets saved, but it falls to Legit. Legit taps it in. Um, and then at this point, all three of the halftime subs. So this goes back to, you know, 
maybe re-emphasizing the the Burhalter moves, but all three halftime subs scored. I thought yeah. that was pretty a pretty telling statistic. Yeah, and even you know I think the argument can be made that like well, just well Jets was the tap in, but I mean he was in the spot to get the right. tap in. It's just a positioning deal. It's a mindset. Like you know, where do I need to be to help the team? Uh, right. I, I was a little bummed that Pepe didn't get a second goal. Uh, <laughs> that would have been crazy. But I'll take it. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, the FC Dallas Twitter, which if you're anything of a soccer fan, you should you should give them a follow when you're watching USA games because I mean they're just they're just trolling everybody at this point. I mean it's probably the biggest day for their Twitter account in the history with Pepe <laughs> scoring and then getting I think technically credited for two assists. So. Huge day yeah. for the FC Dallas Twitter account. Any other any other thoughts on the U.S. game before we go to break? I don't think so. I mean, it was just halftime was a dark, dark place. Uh, and to come back from it in the way we did was really promising. I think for me, it was more promising from the player standpoint uh, rather than a Berhalter standpoint. Mm. Um, but like we talked about earlier, he had to make those changes and he did. Yeah. Um, so there's probably sure. on both sides. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the October qualifier schedule is really easy compared to the one we just had. I think we've got Jamaica at home, Costa Rica at home, and then we have Panama away. So it should be right. at least seven points, I think. So. Right. Definitely. Yeah, said this time. <laughs> well, yeah, that's it. definitely brighter days to come hopefully anyways we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back on the other side we're gonna talk a little bit of premier league touch on mls give some locks and we'll head we'll head home be right back game what a debut for Ronaldo Brian I mean it had to be Ronaldo scoring twice on his prodigal return to Old Trafford United look unbelievable right now I I don't see anybody outside of City and Chelsea knocking them off their perch right now for sure I think I think the games I think the games will struggle in of the games where they lose the midfield battle. Um, mm. And I, I don't think Fred and McTominay are um, obviously at Pogba, who's phenomenal, um, but they didn't address the most agreed upon mm. position they needed, yeah. um, which was a number six defensive mid. And I think McTominay can do, can fill that role um, and do okay, but he can't do it the whole season. I think Fred's same way. Uh, I mean, I don't think Fred's great at playing that defensive role. Yeah. Um, so I think when you face Chelsea, um, even some of the other teams that just have stronger midfields, they might struggle. Um, and 
obviously United's got an insane amount of attacking power. Yeah. Um, especially with Ronaldo now. Uh, but he is 36. Yeah. I think he's 36. Um, he's, he's so. 37, 36 or 37, I believe. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah, uh, I think it's, he's not going to play the whole season. No. And I think that's, that's going to be an interesting, uh, narrative to keep an eye on where do they rest him you know how much time is he going to get um because this this do weekend this he week looked young boys uh yeah they have young boys this weekend or i mean this this midweek champions league game yeah. um i'm willing to bet we'll see ronaldo just because it's you know champions league first match but it is young right. boys so i wouldn't be surprised if they rested him as well but yeah kind of like you said they've just got a wealth of attacking talent um, but that's a great point you made about the midfield. McTominay, Fred, Matic, definitely not, you know, a midfield that would strike fear uh, into an opposing team, whereas the right. rest of their team definitely would. So yeah. needless to say, good debut for Ronaldo. That's cool. The game was Fernandez. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, that was. Or Fernanch. That was a banger. Jesse, Jesse Lingard also got a goal. Moving on, Liverpool beat Leeds. I know you had some interesting thoughts on the Harvey Elliott injury. Yeah, so obviously horrible for Harvey Elliott. Harvey Elliott. Um, hopefully he recovers with sounds like dislocated ankle, uh, which it looked like a break during yeah. the game. But watching the game, saw the tackle. There's a hard tackle. Ref didn't call foul. I think you pronounced the Leeds player's name Suchik. Um, I think it's, but I think it's like strike or something. Pascal strike, okay. something like that. Strike. We'll go with that. Yeah. Uh, but he comes kind of from the behind and left of Harvey Elliott, and he makes pretty good contact with the ball. Where I think VAR saw the red was kind of the scissor motion of the legs mm. which is where I, I believe it was his left ankle was caught and so during the run of play at full speed I didn't really think it was a foul either I think um looking at the replay I think it's a pretty harsh red yeah so I've I think seen, you can see that it's a red yeah I've seen mixed, mixed reviews or mixed reactions I mean, Harvey Elliott himself, he he was like in the hospital um, tweeting this right. or he commented on like the Instagram of the Liverpool account or something. And he said, like, I'm OK. You know, thanks for all the well wishes. By the way, I don't think it should have been a red card, which is right. interesting. This interesting thing to say after you just got your ankle blown up. But I mean, he right. doesn't even believe it should have been a red. Maybe he's just being, you know, he's kind of pandering, being nice here. But I'd also seen like some analysts say that they they thought it was a red so definitely yeah i think it'd be interesting to see you know if the injury doesn't occur you know what the decision is but yeah obviously we can never know but and the premier league in the past is on some of the more debatable red cards they've kind of gone back and reviewed and so i wouldn't be surprised if maybe they did go back and you know take away the red card for or at least a suspension right. for the future games. Uh, but it's bummer because he was in great form and um, 
I think he's only 18 and yep. for an 18 year old to get into the starting 11 for Liverpool at this point is, is a pretty yeah. big deal. And um, we just talked about United's midfield, but Liverpool were already kind of thin in midfield after losing Wijnaldum. Yep. So Harvey Elliott was kind of his replacement. Right. And now that he's hurt, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how much depth Liverpool now has in midfield. So uh, moving on Arsenal. I know that's your team. Get the uh, the sixty seventh winner from Aubameyang. Get their first goal of the season. What are your uh, your emotions, your reactions post game? Obviously, happy for the win. Um, I think the biggest thing about this game is Arsenal had thirty shots, and not all were like great chances or whatever. But thirty shots for an Arsenal team over the past couple of years has been a rare, rare sighting. The the fact that we have a clear cut back four. Mm. is probably you know some people might say the the biggest thing uh, but that's something we haven't had since uh, I mean three four years maybe Um, and so that's really promising I think Um, so you you're a fan of Ben White then the signing of Ben White I'm so I am I think he is really good on the ball Um, I think his distribution is really good um and i think i like it even more with the added cover of tomiyasu who came in from bologna on deadline day you know big right back he won five out of five aerial duels uh, on his debut and almost scored an absolute worldy of a scissor kick volley that went right over the bar and I think people were surprised how much he got forward um but yeah he looks really solid I think the change in the game came when Thomas Barty came on I think it was a little after halftime his passing uh he came on with Emile Smith-Rowe and the two of them yeah really unlocked um the attack going forward um so I think that's really good news for Arsenal as a whole. Um, we got yeah. Burnley next weekend, which should should be another good game to get our get our feet under us. And after keep, Burnley just got spanked on that table. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on? I mean, I didn't really read much about this, but Aaron Ramsdale starting over Burnley now. I'm okay with it. I don't necessarily think that right now Ramsdale is that much better than Leno, if at all. I think they have different parts of their game that are better than others. But I think in, it was good to let kind of the fans know that, like, okay, we're going to try something different. And I think it pushes Leno a little bit to say, like, okay, like he, the number one spot is not just automatically yours. Um, so if you want a number one spot, you're going to have to really fight for it. Yeah, provide some pressure. Um, so I think that competition, yeah, pressure, competition is good. And if he doesn't respond to that competition and pressure, then he doesn't need to be there. Yeah, totally fair. A couple other games worthy of note. City beat Leicester 1-0. City dominated most of the game. Leicester didn't really put up many chances, but I'm still not riding out Leicester this year. I really like their team. Uh, Chelsea beat Villa 3-0. Lukaku had two. Again, I think it's going to be a season dominated by Chelsea, United, City, and then, you know, throw Liverpool in there if you want to. 
can't wait for them to start playing each other. Little fun fact, Brighton sit fifth in the Premier League right now. So that's your uh, your sleeper of the week. Palace beat Tottenham. Palace did beat Tottenham. Yeah. Patrick Vieira led Crystal Palace. Yeah, the two golds from Hudson uh, Hour Edward, the new signing from Celtic. Uh, Which the t- first one was like 27 seconds into his debut. Yeah. His first touch settled the ball and his second touch scored it. Yeah. Yeah, Tottenham on the downhill right now after Nuno had them doing pretty pretty well the first month. A little quick MLS update. Ricardo Pepe scores again for FC Dallas. FC Dallas still very bad. Ricardo Pepe still very good. The Revs win again behind a red card and a Tejon Buchanan goal. I really think Tejon Buchanan is going to be good after watching him and then watching him with Canada. I thought this was going to be a great game playing NYCFC there. They were the two leaders of the Eastern conference SKC Sounders, both win, staying top of the West Orlando city really looked bad against Atlanta United who was without Joseph Martinez. Um, it looks like Atlanta United after firing Gabriel Heinze look a lot better now. Also kind of indicative of where Orlando city sit. Daryl DK really hasn't gotten going since coming back uh, from the gold cup. Nashville win, sneaking into second of the East after NYCFC dropped. And then lastly, all the Texas teams are very bad. I saw a tweet that said the combined wins between all three Texas MLS teams are less than that of the revolution. That is just an indicator of where they are. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with some locks and our flop and advantage. Be right back. All right, welcome back. We are going to move into a little bit of Lane's locks. It's only fitting that we brought Lane back onto the show to complete this segment. Otherwise, it wouldn't be Lane's locks. We've also got Brian, who's going to do a guest pick for us. Considering that Lane and I have really scuffed most of our picks, it might be a good idea to listen to Brian this week instead of us, but we're going to give our picks regardless. Uh, Brian, let's start with you. What do you got, man? I'm going to go with the Lille-Wolfsburg Champions League game. I think both teams are going to want to prove that they've got what it takes and they want to get out of the group. Um, and so I'm going to go to over on that game. Um, I'll say a 3-3 draw. Wow. Wow. Guns blazing. Okay. <laughs> Love heard it. heard it there first. Over Lille and Wolfsburg. All right, Lane, what do you got? I'm also riding the over train. I've got over in the Atletico Porto game. Got over two and a half at minus 110. Okay. I think Atletico scores at least two here. And then I think Porto gets at least one. Okay. I think it's going to be at least a three goal game, in my opinion. I think Suarez scoring a couple. Oh, okay. Watch that's out. A, that's a uh, interesting take considering Atleti are pretty you know, known for being pretty pragmatic. So I think two and a half is too, it's too little okay. in my opinion. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to play the reverse card on you here. I'm going to go Barcelona and Bayern under three and a half. I know, you know, Barcelona got the living mess beat out of them by Bayern last year, but 
considering that there's no Messi, it's more of a team focused mentality now. I'm thinking that Barcelona is going to be a little more defensive. Also trying to prove that they, they're not going to get destroyed. Bayern might find it hard to win. I think they'll still win, but I'm taking the under. Those are our locks. Let's move into the flop and advantage. I'll go ahead first lane. Uh, my flop of the week, it's got to be Leipzig against Bayern. Considering nice. they're just absolute catastrophe, losing, <laughs> I think, 4-1. Yeah. And uh, looking really bad in the process. Not a good sign for Jesse Marsh. Uh, his first big game as the coach of Leipzig, but could mm-hmm. be a good sign for future U.S. men's national team coaching hopes. So keep that in mind. My advantage goes to FC Dallas, not because they got a draw this weekend. <laughs> that would not be worth celebrating. But mm-hmm. what, what is worth celebrating is the big payday that is going to come for Ricardo Pepe. Immediately following his goal against Honduras, Fabrizio Romano, kind of like the Adam Schefter, Adrian Wojnarowski of soccer, tweeted the eye emoji, which is kind of his way of saying clubs watch out because he's getting he's getting bought. So my advantage goes to FC Dallas and the day that they become rich. What about (laughs) you, Lynn? Um, for my flop, I've got Sargent kind of on that wavelength. I think he's basically lost his job after that Honduras game. I think everyone's on board for the Pepe train. I think um, I think he's basically our number two now. So not ideal for him going forward. Agreed. And then uh, for my advantage, I've got Lukaku scoring twice. He's just he's on a tear right now and uh, he's looking like one of the one of the top players in the Premier League already. So definitely excited to see him continue playing. All right. Well, that's all we've got today. We've got Champions League starting tomorrow. Tomorrow as in Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, got some real good mouth-watering fixtures. Personally, I'm excited for the Bayern and Barcelona game. I don't know about you guys. You guys excited for any individual games? I mean, obviously the Bayern Barcelona game. Mm-hmm. I think um, Chelsea game could be interesting. And then I- Wednesday. Sevilla, sure. Sevilla Salzburg. I think Sevilla has been playing really well to start the season. Um, I think they have a game in hand, but they could be top of La Liga. Could this um, be a? Could this be the coming out party for Brendan Aronson if he scores against be. Sevilla? It could be. Yeah, it could be. And Salzburg has a lot of young talent. Like yep. always, I think that could be a really fun game to tune into. Uh, maybe Jordan Pifak gets a goal against Man United. Who knows? That would be um, wild. <laughs> but yeah, Wednesday is definitely the uh, cream of the crop, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, agreed. All right. Well, that's all we got for today. Uh, thank you, Brian, for being a guest today, talking to some men's national team. And uh, of course, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. Um,